Well, good morning and welcome to this uh, Sunday message from Grace Point Church in Ephrata, Washington. I want to welcome my church family as well as uh, any guests that are with us here today. We are thankful you're here with us. And again, we find ourselves in my family room. And uh, don't pay any attention to that clock because it will not move. You'll think you're at the nexus of the universe because it will not move from 5 to 12. It's always been like that. And of course, they say it's right twice a day. So anyway, welcome. We are glad you are here with us today. We are returning to our study of the book of Colossians. Uh, we began last week again, and uh, now we are beginning uh, to work our way through this uh, letter to the Colossian church. So if you have your copy of scripture, if you would turn now to the letter to the Colossian uh, church in the New Testament and uh, follow along as, I, uh, as we look at that here this morning. I was curious this week about uh, who was the world's smallest surviving baby, smallest surviving baby born. And it was a baby named Sabi, born back in December of 2018. She weighed a mere eight ounces, if you can imagine, after 23 weeks of gestation. And uh, she uh, stayed in the neonatal care unit for uh, almost five months before she was released. And uh, she, when she was released, when she was able to go home, she weighed five pounds. Uh, pretty amazing when you think about that, that that uh, little girl uh, survived at uh, 23 weeks and simply eight, eight ounces in weight when she was born. Uh, you know, we really value human life. We value babies. And, uh, but we want babies to grow up, don't we? We want them to mature. One of uh, the most memorable messages I've ever heard was at a conference I attended in Chicago some years ago, kind of summarized God's will for every believer in Christ with five aspects of his will. Listen to these. God's revealed his will, first of all, that we become believers in Jesus Christ. We call that salvation, uh, become believers in Jesus Christ. First Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 tell us this. It is good, acceptable, and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, God's desired will here is that no one is lost and hell-bound, but that all men come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's not his determined will, but it is his desired will, as stated there. So we can go with great assurance that God's will for my life is to believe in Jesus for everlasting life. The second one is that we would be spirit-filled. When you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live within our lives. He gives us the teaching. He's our comforter. He's our guide uh, throughout our Christian life. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 17 and 18, he says there, Paul writes there, So do not be foolish and understand what the will of the Lord is. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not be drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. It's one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit to fill us in the sense that uh, it, it's like a sailboat. When the wind fills its sails, it guides it along and pushes it in a certain direction. The Holy Spirit guides us. He's our teacher. So salvation, Spirit-filled, the third aspect of God's will is to be sanctified. That is a biblical term for growing in Christ. In this life, we are being saved from <clears throat> the very power of sin, and so we are growing in the Christian life. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 8, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, being set apart unto the holiness of God. 
That's why early on in this letter, Paul calls these believers saints, holy ones. And as I said last week, uh, you may not feel very holy or saintly, and yet that is your position in Christ. But now we are to grow in that position. So salvation, spirit-filled, sanctified. The fourth will of God is to be submissive, 1 Peter 2, 13 through 18. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake, for such is the will of God, that in doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. And of course, it's Peter's writing to a church of believers who are suffering through persecution. And so God's will is that we be submissive, not only to him, but to one another uh, in all areas of life. And then the fifth one, the fifth uh, aspect of God's will is suffering. We don't like this one, do we? We don't like this. First Peter chapter 4, again, Peter writes a lot about this, verses 12 through 19, which is a long passage about suffering as a Christian. But in verse 19, he says, Therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. So we see that even in the midst of suffering, trust is an important and a critical key. And how do we uh, express our faith and trust God? It's by knowing him and knowing that he is trustworthy. And so those aspects of God's will. The second part of verse 9, he says that a growing person is filled with the knowledge of God's will. And there's two enablements to do this. Look at verse 9 again. Okay, uh, knowledge of his will in spiritual wisdom and understanding. Spiritual wisdom is wisdom from the Holy Spirit. It's divine insights. As we apply ourselves, engage in the word of God, the Holy Spirit is our teacher and our guide, and he enables us to understand it. And this spiritual understanding, it's the application of the wisdom we are learning to specific circumstances in our lives that we are experiencing, a clear vision of what needs to be done in the days that we live. And so we have these priorities. The second one is the products of a growing life, the products of a growing life. I was reading an article about Walt Disney, and when the Disney studios were making the film Snow White, uh, one of his animators, who was named Ward Kimball, you may be familiar with that name, he recalls that he worked 240 days alone on one four-and-a-half-minute sequence in which the dwarfs were making soup for Snow White and almost destroyed the kitchen in the process. Walt Disney thought it was really funny and good, but he decided that it stopped the flow of the picture, so out it went. And so there's an aspect about even good things can disrupt the flow of events in our lives. When the films of our lives are shown, what are the great things that need to be re remain? There are many good things that pull at us. A lot of us depend upon the multitude of good things that we do rather than eliminating and making way for the great things that God has, wants to do through us and is enabling us to do. The apostle goes on to say what he wants here in this passage in, in uh, the chapter, uh, first chapter of Colossians. He wants them to understand God's will so they can follow uh, his will and gain the knowledge. And so it's, it's, he answers the so what question in verses 10 through 12. Look at verse 10. He says, so that. I think most translations have this structural marker here, and it's giving us the, the, re, the reason for what he's telling us in verse 9. So that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. So that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. A growing person in this first part of verse 10, 
lives day by day in a certain manner. It's a worthy walk. Walking in uh, Paul's epistles is a metaphor for life itself, just like we walk from one place to another. Life is a journey, and so he's talking about this journey of life. It's growth for a lifetime. Uh, I read another thing about Albert Einstein. He was having dinner with his neighbors one time, Albert Einstein was, and he had a young neighbor, and she asked him a question. He was aged at this time, but she said, what, are, what do you do actually as a, as a profession? And Albert Einstein replied, I devote myself to the study of physics. And the girl looked at him in astonishment, and she said, you mean that you study physics at your age? She said, I finished my studies in physics a year ago. And uh, so there's this aspect where we are lifelong learners. We continue to grow and mature, living a life that is worthy of the Lord, worthy of our calling as believers in Jesus Christ, worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and worthy of God to please him in all respects, be pleasing to God. I was thinking about our children as we watch them grow up and as they mature and as they make, do accomplishments and they have uh, things that bring great joy uh, to their parents. And as an earthly father, I can say I know the sensation <clears throat> of the pleasure and the pride in my children and the well-being of my children. And it's uh, surely just an inkling of how our heavenly father feels when we please him. If we could only grip this and be gripped by this concept, our lives would be revolutionized. In verses 10, uh, the second part of verse 10 through 12 are <clears throat> four marks of a growing life, four marks. And they're really participles in the grammar and syntax of this sentence. And we see these four marks. Uh, the first one is fruitfulness. Look at verse 10 again. He tells us, uh, let me begin at verse 10, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects. Here's the first one, bearing fruit in every good work, bearing fruit in every good work. Now, the New Testament uses that metaphor of fruitfulness. We think of a plant, uh, one that bears some type of fruit, apples or, or pears, or even we think of produce from uh, the farm fields. And we think of uh, there is fruitfulness and plants that don't produce, that are supposed to produce. Uh, it, it's disappointing, isn't it? Bearing fruit in every good work. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Notice there that we don't produce that fruit. It's the Holy Spirit in us that produces that fruit. In Ephesians 5, 9, but the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And so it's the aspect that fruit is there is the absolute truth of God. Hebrews 13, 15, through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of our lips give thanks to his name. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but when we praise God, when we pray to him and thank him, uh, we're really actually <clears throat> producing fruit with our mouths. James 3.18, And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So peacemakers are sowing the fruit of righteousness and peace when they do that. So the first... <clears throat> aspect of that. The first enablement or aspect is bearing fruit in every good work. The second one is growth. Growth. Look, increasing in the knowledge of God. Increasing in the knowledge of God. This kind of knowledge engages our minds, stirs our hearts, and transforms our lives. This knowledge is personal, and it expands out 
many others. How do we get this knowledge? Well, it's by listening to what he says. It's the priority of what we're doing right here today, to engaging in the word of God together as we engage that, and then engage God in a conversation, the emphasis on prayer, spending time in his company, the need for a devotional life, and being with others who know him too, the need for worshiping with others. And now we are limited in that, uh, other than through technology, but with your own family, in fact, uh, that uh, if you're with others as you watch this, that you can worship with them. You know, the issue with this spiritual growth is that uh, as we age, we're all in some danger. We're in the danger of suffering the hardening of our categories, the hardening of our categories. In other words, we can become concrete thinkers if we're not careful. We, our minds can become all mixed up and thoroughly set. And the Colossians were in danger of this. And today in our day and age, Christians around the world are in danger of this because there is so much false teaching out there. Uh, Pablo Casals uh, asked him a question, a great uh, cellist. Uh, he was asked when he was 95, a reporter asked him a question. He said, Mr. Casals, you are 95 and the greatest cellist that has ever lived. Why do you still practice six hours a day? And Mr. Casals answered, because I think I'm making progress. <laughs> because I think I'm making progress. And our goal as believers, uh, can you say that at the end of each day, I think I'm making progress in what it means to be a Christian and living out my Christian life and my fruitfulness and my growth in him. The third, <clears throat> the third uh, uh, participle here aspect or mark of a growing life is enablement, strengthened with all power. Look at verse 11, strengthened with all power. One writer has said, neither aspiration, perspiration, or determination will be adequate for the challenge. What is required is inspiration, the inbreathing of the power of God, the provision of the Holy Spirit. Why are we to do that? Look at verse 11 again. It says, strengthened with all power, what? According to his glorious might. Some Christians really, they set their jaws and think they gotta do something uh, in, in some kind of effort in the flesh to be spiritual and yet if we are relaxed and uh, submissive to the Holy Spirit, it's God's power that changes us and grows us up in his glorious might. Why? For the attaining of all steadfastness and patience. Steadfastness and patience. And so we see that. We call that patient endurance. And boy, do we need that now as believers in Christ. The tentacles of anxiety and worry and fear, all those things because of our pandemic situation and what's going to happen, the uncertainty of the tomorrow, let alone next year, what is going to happen? And so we need to be, as a people, steadfast and patient because God is the one who empowers us and he knows exactly what is going on. So fruitfulness, growth, enablement, and the fourth mark of a growing life is gratitude. Look again at the first part of verse 12 giving thanks to the Father. And uh, some of our translations uh, add that word, the last word in verse 11, joyously or joy, to joyously giving thanks. I think it can go either way. We can be steadfast and patient with joy or, and also joyfully giving thanks to God the Father. And so it is gratitude. And uh, J.B. Phillips paraphrases uh, how tremendous the power of God is. He paraphrases Ephesians chapter 1. How tremendous is the power available to us who believe in God. When we make a firm connection to God in his life, his power 
flows through us. And in verses 12b through 14, as we come to the conclusion of this, is not only uh, do we have uh, <clears throat> the priority of a growing life, the products of a growing life, but the power for a growing life. Again, this has to do with power. A growing person is qualified in God's grace. Look at the second part of verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light, in truth. A growing person is qualified by God's grace as a merited favor expressed to us in the Lord Jesus Christ in his death, burial, <laughs> excuse me, and resurrection. Uh, in the verse 12, it tells us we are given privileges that we did not earn, and that is God's grace. We share in an inheritance, uh, Father's love, the Savior's presence, a family of brothers and sisters to support and uphold us, and a certain destination and glory. We have a future and a hope where we will see Jesus face to face. Nothing can take this away from us. This is our inheritance from God himself. The second one of these, how does God do this? In the first part of verse 13, how does God do this? Where he says, uh, for he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. We are delivered from the perils that we did earn. That is called mercy. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We were delivered from the domain of darkness. Jesus Christ has delivered us from spiritual blindness and spiritual separation in death, eternal separation from God. As believers in Christ, we have a future and a hope. So we are delivered from the perils that we did not earn. Secondly, we, or thirdly, we receive a position that we do not deserve. We were transferred to the kingdom of his beloved son. Have you ever felt unwanted, unloved? Uh, it's really one of the most devastating feelings emotionally that any human being can have. The feeling that nobody cares for us. Uh, nobody wants us. Nobody loves us. We're absolutely alone. Well, this passage forever renders that untrue by the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are uh, wanted and we are cherished children of a loving father. Do not forget that. You are in his hands. In verse 14, a growing person rests in the benefits of God's grace. Verse 14, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. All of us need redemption and the forgiveness of sins. We have been purchased with a price. We have been redeemed out of the slave market of sin. And we have the forgiveness of sins. Jesus Christ took all of our sins on himself. For God so loves you that he gave his only begotten son that if you believe in him, you will not perish but have everlasting life. A growing life prioritizes God's will. It will produce a worthy lifestyle and it's empowered by God's grace alone. Behind me on the wall here, not the cuckoo clock, the painting is a painting uh, that my dad did when I was about 12 years old. And he, uh, it was after we had visited the Grand Canyon and we had spent some time there and he came home. He had done a lot of sketches on site and then he came home and in his studio, he painted this painting of the Grand Canyon. And I was thinking back, uh, 12, when I was 12 years old, uh, as you can see, that was a long, long time ago now. Uh, and, uh, but I've matured from that time. I think about uh, some of the goofiness when I was a kid. And uh, I, I have matured, hopefully, uh, more than uh, I can imagine. And it's only because of Jesus Christ, the maturing life. And the basic question is, is who do you think you are? Uh, remember last week I said, uh, quoting another writer, he said, uh, 
the most thing about most important thing about you is uh, who you think Jesus Christ is. That's the most important thing about you. And then in light of that, uh, the second greatest question I think is who do you think you are? And the Apostle Paul outlines for us here that uh, we are blessed because the Holy Spirit is faithful in growing us in Christ. And may you grow today through the encounter with your, this word of God. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your loving kindness. Thank you for your goodness to us, for your holiness, your righteousness. Thank you for this word out of the book of Colossians. Thank you for the Apostle Paul. And Lord, as we face another week, as you give us our days, may we have courage, perseverance, endurance, and even great joy in the midst of this time that we're going through now. And may you be glorified in our lives as we grow together in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Have a great week, and God bless you. Please stand as the church scattered worships together. Thank you.